Parkinson's disease is the second most common neurodegenerative disorder globally after Alzheimer's disease. And the number of patients in South Korea has been on the rise, according to data from the Health Insurance Review and Assessment Service. There were around 90,000 patients in 2015, and that figure has continued to go up over the past few years to 110,000 last year. As of now, there is no cure for the disease. There are uh, medications and treatments that help to control the symptoms, but uh, we have not had a big breakthrough yet. Uh, That could be in the offing soon because uh, we've had exciting news of a recent discovery, and we are going to get some more details on this uh, from Singapore's Nanyang Technological University School of Biological Sciences professor Yun Ho Sup, who was involved in this relevant, exciting research, joining us on the line right now. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great, Professor Yoon. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I must say, I I have a close uh, family member who has early onset uh, Parkinson's, so this is personally a a very, very uh, important and exciting topic for me to discuss your research on. Of course, someone like me who who has uh, seen it firsthand will know, but uh, for the rest of our listeners who may not be uh, as familiar, can you you, um, explain how patients generally are affected by Parkinson's? Yeah, as you know, Parkinson's disease affects 6 to 10 million people around the world. In Korea, as you mentioned, there are about more than 100,000 people uh, having Parkinson's disease. So although we see um, PD patients, I mean, in among younger generations, but primarily PD affects older people, age 65 and above. So basically, it develops when the cells in certain part of the brain die over time. That means it degenerates over time. Yeah. Start making chemicals called dopamine. So the brain uses dopamine to help control movement. The typical symptoms of PD include uh, resting tremor, slowness of movement, stiffness, and difficulty with walking. So, uh, of course, there are also some other uh, non-motor symptoms with PD, such as loss of smell, sleep disturbance, anxiety, and depression. Right. So, this is uh, a devastating, uh, quite serious uh, disorder. And uh, again, as I know firsthand, uh, there are various uh, treatment methods, uh, including uh, L-DOPA, which would uh, try to uh, maintain some level of dopamine. Uh, there are side effects, and that affects people differently, including uh, with the issues with uh, dyskinesia. Uh, I know that there's some electro- uh, electrical shock therapy, as well as some research being done with uh, the use of marijuana-derived products like THC to handle this. But as of now, we can say that there has been no um, what can be subjectively determined to be satisfying, effective uh, treatments or cures for Parkinson's, right? There is no cure, uh, period. Uh, still, the, we don't know what causes PD. The underlying cause of PD is still not known. There are many factors, like genetic factors, environmental factors, that could contribute onset of uh, Parkinson's disease. As you mentioned, currently, all the treatments 
uh, levodopa carbidopa combination is basically all the symptomatic. Uh, they're basic to address uh, patient symptoms, not really slow down or the reverse the disease progress, unfortunately. But in the end, some patients who are not really responding at all any medication, but they are also undergoing uh, surgical operation called deep brain stimulation. Case by case, sometimes it's working. Still, even the uh, deep brain stimulation mechanism, still we don't fully yeah. understand. Can we then let's uh, focus on the uh, research that uh, you are involved in? Uh, apparently, a class of uh, proteins known as uh, NUR1 uh, plays a critical role in this uh, potential treatment. Um, just c- could you lay out uh, what your research has found and what the implications potentially could be? The, I mean, dopamine production uh, is basically mainly happening in the brain. So there are uh, a lot of proteins involved in maintaining level of dopamine. So neural one is a nuclear receptor and transcription factors. Its function is really, really critical for the development and maintenance and protection of cells producing dopamine in the brain. So if you maintain neural one activities, is essential to uh, having enough dopamine to control movement. This has been, you know, for long a concept. Is no one doesn't need any ligand. It's basically ligand independent because it's supported by the crystal structure. So, in this uh, study, we actually identified a sort of uh, uh, endogenous ligand to target no one and activate no one. The uh, trials and the experiments uh, that you have undertaken uh, seem to have been very promising in in terms of uh, keeping this uh, NUR1 uh, activating drug to be able to treat these patients. And again, I just want to clarify just for personal reasons, uh, these are treatments from your hypothesis that uh, would be potentially effective, but also would not necessarily result in those side effects that we've seen, like dyskinesia, right? You know, the side effects with the PD, when you use uh, this uh, levodopa uh, as a dopamine replacement, like it gives rise to uh, dyskinesia or uh, other uh, hallucinations or other uh, side effects. The problem is you, you have a brain and then brain cells are dying over time. You don't have enough brain cells to make dopamine, so you have to keep on pumping in uh, a, a dopamine replacement. So basically, you have a analogy would be you have a, a jar or pot has hole in, in the bottom, right? Even if you add the dopamine, there's a hole in the in the in the bottom, right? So you cannot actually keep enough levels. So you have to keep on you know, pouring in enough dopamine to maintain that level. So our approach is we have a body as a mechanism to make dopamine endogenously in the body, right? Mm -hmm. So if you trigger or activate that transcription factor to make a dopamine, you don't need to add uh, dopamine from outside, dopamine replacement outside. Mm -hmm. So approach here is is, uh, quite different. 
And I know that uh, you did do, uh, your, your team had uh, two rounds of surgeries that were carried out uh, in 2017, 2018 uh, on a patient in his 60s. This was approved by the U.S. FDA, and this is, uh, uh, this is resulting in a lot of uh, attention being paid to uh, you and your team, uh, especially here in South Korea because of the uh, presence of people like uh, uh, Kim Gwangsu and yourself uh, uh, being uh, of Korean origin. So uh, obviously there's a lot of excitement in South Korea. However, there's been a lot of caution being expressed as well, right? Because we're still very early on. But the most important question to a lot of people, especially uh, myself and others who, who, who want to see uh, something um, effective in their lifetimes is, I know you get asked this a thousand times, and I know you're tired of answering the question, but uh, what kind of a time frame do you think uh, we can envision here uh, should everything work out in the best case scenario? Uh, the study you mentioned about the NIH response study uh, in 2017-18, that's uh, uh, basically stem cell therapy using patients' own skin cells and differentiate in the lab and they induce pluripotent stem cells. So having cells with the phenotype similar to dopamine-producing nerve, basically then they implanted millions of uh, that stem cells into the patient brain at six months intervals. So that study is basically multi-center collaboration study between McLean Hospital, Donna Faber, Cornell Medical Center and Massachusetts General Hospital. Mm -hmm. So after over two-year period, they monitored, and then finally they uh, found out that the patient PD symptom stabilized and be improved. I mean, that, this is wonderful news, though. But then that study is basically stem cell uh, approach. Right. Uh, we, what we are describing here is not uh, stem cell approach. We actually tried to use a small molecule called prostaglandin E1A1. So basically, that target no one and activate no one's activity, and then make more dopamine in the brain. So approach is a bit different, but nonetheless, I think this FDA stem cell therapy is very significant. Even though it's a single patient study, it's difficult to draw any conclusion. But I heard that they're going to do more study using yeah. exactly the same procedure. Obviously, uh, this takes, takes time. I, and as, as we've seen with the uh, coronavirus pandemic, uh, there's this race to try to find a uh, treatment or a cure for COVID-19, a vaccine. Uh, and similarly, uh, this has been a long ongoing struggle with uh, PD and, and trying to find uh, either a cure or a very effective treatment. Uh, would you um, put yourself then as a final question um, on the side of, of the optimist that uh, ultimately, uh, whether it's through your efforts or through the uh, study we cited with the NAs, that ultimately we can uh, find something tangible uh, within our lifetimes? I mean, there are a lot of uh, efforts that are going on right now to address this uh, uh, Parkinson's disease. So, I mean, uh, as I mentioned, Parkinson's disease is still we don't know the underlying yeah. cause. There are many uh, factors contributing onset of these diseases. So it could be genetic factors, environmental factors. Or, or, so I think that there are quite a number of significant uh, breakthroughs now uh, taking place. But uh, at this moment, I think it's, it's, uh, uh, it's dangerous to say there's, we can cure uh, PD. Mm -hmm. There is no medication to cure Parkinson's disease at the moment. Right. Period. But, I mean, our study or other study, I mean, there are a, a potential to improve 
or a slowdown or reverse uh, symptom of uh, PD, uh, at least in early study, like animal models, by targeting some certain molecular uh, uh, markers. So, I mean, Parkinson's takes time. So we have still a lot of work to do. Most important thing is we have to determine whether our finding can be translated to human body. We have done in animal study. So in particular, we need to make sure our uh, ligand and prostaglandin E1A1 are safe in preclinical setting before we go to human trials. So hopefully, after we finish all this preclinical examination, we could go to human trial and then test whether it's effective in human body. Professor Yoon, I just want to say that uh, I definitely appreciate uh, all the efforts uh, that you have been making uh, towards this endeavor and uh, uh, want to wish you the best of luck going forward and hopefully uh, get back in touch with you uh, should further updates uh, warrant it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.